reflections from a range of authors, journalists, civic leaders, historians and generally interesting people, exploring the importance of the written word, the value of a library and their own inspirations and motivations. Based at RSE Connolly, the James Connolly Visitor Centre, Belfast. You're very welcome back to this week's episode of Glower at Lowerland e Connolly. And our podcast guest this week is Martin McGowan. Many of you may have heard of Martin, but if you have, you'll know he's only famous by association with his inspirational son, the four and a half year old from Ballamurphy, Wee Dahi. Dahi was born in 2016 with a serious heart condition called hypoplastic left heart syndrome, which means essentially that he only has half a working heart. In those first weeks of his life, he was given only a 10% chance of survival, and since then has undergone three open heart surgeries, countless other operations and numerous interventions. But anyone who knows Dahi knows he's a wee fighter. He's still waiting now for the gift of a new heart, and his parents, Marcin and Seth, have spearheaded a campaign to raise awareness about the importance of organ donation. Nia Wine did the Rahi bug, not only for wee Dahi, but for people across the north who are on waiting lists for transplants. They are encouraging people to learn more about the process and to have that conversation with their loved ones about it. We found out that Dahi had a serious heart condition at Seth's 20 weeks gone, and we were both working in the Loch and York Yiltacht at the time. Uh, Saf was, you know, she, she, she had a bump and, you know, on her, on her nights out, obviously, uh, you know, I can remember, I, I can remember you that know, everybody would create like a, like a wee shield around her and stuff. And, um, you know, we met in the Loch New York Yiltacht as well. So even, even nowadays, that he's, uh, I think he's still considered uh, a Loch New York baby, to be honest. But it's, it's there we found out, you know. Um, we, we had to come home for the 20 week scan and we we weren't worried at all about the scan. We just wanted to find out if, if Dahi was a wee boy or a wee girl. And, and that's what a lot of people think that, that the 20 week scan is, but we now know that it's a lot more than that. And I can remember we went into this room and it was very dark and I was just very excited. And, you know, um, the radiographer was, you know, just doing doing her thing really and um I didn't notice anything but Saf did and she had said that um at the end you know we found out that Dahi was a boy but we also found out that he had a very serious heart condition and we were told at that stage that there was no cardiologist about and that we would have to wait up to five weeks for an appointment and you know we left we left and we we lived on Fallswater Street at the time and I can remember walking back from the hospital, the short walk, we didn't speak. We sat in Fallswater Street in the, in the wee small living room. And um, we didn't, I, I think, a few hours passed before we actually, you know, um, realised that, you know, what's going on? We, we, didn't, we didn't hear any, about any conditions. We didn't hear any, anything. Just there's a serious problem and you'll be sent for. So we, we, had a, we had a sheet of paper really and you know we can make no sense of it at all and to be honest you know anybody that we asked really didn't you know any, any nurses that we knew or midwives or anything like that they didn't really you know I don't know if they wanted they knew how maybe serious it was and they didn't want to break the news but kind of in, in true West Belfast uh, form we found out somebody who knew somebody and we had a um, we had a direct link to the cardiologists 
and we got a quicker appointment and that's when we came back from the gale tap to find out what it was and we found out that it was a, a condition called hypoplastic left heart syndrome and one of the things we actually did was we contacted Charma.ie straight away to make sure that there was an Irish language version of it and it's actually syndrome hypoplasia critically and uh yeah and we came back and you know we actually went back to the Gale Talk and finished the course and we didn't really have a clue what was happening. Anybody who we then met after that, they always knew somebody that had a heart condition, whether it was a nephew, a niece or, you know, even a, a son or a daughter. And it was the same sort of thing the, the whole time. It was, actually, they'll just go over and get a, a wee operation and they'll be fine. And we found out then that it wasn't that, it was a lot more... Um, severe than that. So hypoplastic left heart syndrome, it basically means that the left side of the heart hasn't developed properly or won't develop properly at that stage it was and that it's commonly known as half a heart. So um, it's a very serious condition and although that although birth defects, the, the, or the most common ones are heart defects, this is one of the least, com least common ones and more severe ones. So yeah. we had an appointment then um, every nearly every week or every fortnight with the cardiologist and you know those baby scans they're so you know the first one is so beautiful and it's you know you cherish it and all that by the end we had a, millions of them because we were getting so so often um but yeah so they tried to prepare us as best they could but fast forward really another another 20 20 or so weeks and Dahi came and i can remember they were expecting him to be so small because he had a heart defect and when he was born he was 7.5 pounds which was big enough and probably is a thing that got him over the lane maybe um but i can remember they had a wee blue hat and it was too small so they had to put a a, a pink hat on and i suppose that's fitting now because pink is his color and it's the color of organ donation but yeah um dahi's uh dahi's road was at you know, that was a very rocky road at, at at the start. He was he was as soon as he was born, Saf got to hold him. Must have been for about thirty seconds. I was allowed to take a quick photo, and then he was born at ten to nine. I don't think we get in the same again till about two a.m. And that was in a neonatal intensive care unit. And you know, we were wanted to hold him. We were wanted to touch him. The first time we got a hug from Dahi was two days later in London. So Saf had just given birth, an absolute hero, you know, didn't complain, didn't anything, just wanted to, you know, just wanted to see Dahi and just wanted to hold him. And, you know, we went straight to London two days later um, on the wee private airplane and straight to the hospital. But it was there where we were allowed to hold him for the first time. And even looking back, you know, it must have been so hard, especially for, for Saf, because she was just, you know, what you know, Kim and Barrett does, you know, it just, I, I can't believe that she was able to do what she did. She's an absolute legend. Um, but he, he, Dahi was, uh, he had his first open heart surgery at four days old. And, you know, he was just a sweet, tiny baby. And he, he, it was compared to, his heart was compared to the size of a walnut and eight hours of an operation with us. Uh, with on this size of a walnut, and he came back, and you know he was he he did he looked he looked very different, and you know his chest was open, and he was very puffy, and 
well, actually, he wasn't that puffy at that stage. Um, but the operation had gone really well uh, from, you know, from the medical side, and they were happy. And we, we went home or went back to the hotel, and we actually had dinner at the hotel and had a wee, had a wee paint and, you know, had a wee slantia and uh, went to bed. And um, uh, we were up, you know, half six the next morning, and we had a phone call by seven to say you need to get over here really quickly. And that's, you know, when things really started going bad and we, we went over and just, you know, to put it into perspective with, like, you know, all these terminologies that we've learned and, you know, his, his sats, his uh, blood oxygen level, um, you know, a normal person's will be, you know, over 96 and sometimes at 100 and Dahi's were down in the 30s or the 40s and, you know, he was, he was basically Navy at one point, you know, he, it was, it was, it was terrible. And they had to, they had to kind of you know intervene and they had to put him on a life support machine, and it was called uh, it's called an ACMO machine. It's basically just, it was basically just keeping him alive. And um, but to attach that, it was another kind of four hour, four or five hours of surgery. Um, so he was on this machine for about six days, and you know there was there's a lot of risks to the machine, but it was keeping him it was keeping him alive. And I can remember on on Halloween. Of 2016, he was 10 days old at that stage, and it was like a, a scene out of a, it was a scene out of a film, really. You know, we were in this small cubicle, um, and you know, it was an open ICU, but we were kind of covered because it was so severe with these like shields that you see because of you know in the cafes because of you know COVID, it was that type of covering, and all these there must have been about 20 to 30 people, nurses, doctors, consultants, surgeons, everything, and they were all shouting at each other. We need to do this. We need to do that. And there's me and Seth just kind of sitting there, and it's like you know in the films where you see things in slow motion and the walls are kind of closing in. And I can remember just uh, just running out of ICU to get a breath, you know. And um, we came back and you know there's a there's an actually lovely story. Whereas when all the consultants kind of settle down and you know they kind of give you the options. You know, they tell you what they think and then they give you the final say really. So we met with the um we met with the, the surgeon at Dahi's bedside at the bottom of his bed, Professor David Anderson, and he's 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 from here, um, somewhere. <laughs> and he said to us he, he said to us that they could do a surgery that wouldn't work. And Dahi had a shunt in his in his heart basically and it wasn't letting enough blood flow to his lungs and they said if they upsize the shunt it would be too big and that it wouldn't work um but he said he could we could try and the other option he gave us was that he's very comfortable we can let him just pass away peacefully and that very second that he opened his eyes and he looked at david anderson and David Anderson, Professor Anderson, turned to us and said, your boy wants to live. And he, he still, he didn't think, that was the first time that he really opened his eyes and he was sedated and, and all that. And it was like, it was one of those moments that it's hard to believe, but that happened. And he turned to us and said, your boy wants to live. And then we just said, try your best, really. So that's when we left and... We were defeated at that stage. Me and Seth were just, you know, we went back to the hotel. 
it was Halloween and um, we just left them in the hands of the, the superheroes at Avelina in London and we went back to the hotel and Hocus Pocus was on and we fell asleep uh, and then about again it was about six or seven hours or maybe even longer and we got a phone call and I can remember saying Saf saying well, he's alive you know and that's how kind of dramatic it was it was he's alive and but we still weren't that hopeful and you know because the operation it's okay for the operation to go well it was the days after that were really to tell everything so we rushed over to the hospital and you know we had something every single day after that uh, his chest was open for 18 days he had sepsis he had a stroke he had you know all these things um going wrong until one day really fast forward maybe you know they closed his his chest after 18 days and then one day there was no nothing to report sort of thing and it wasn't kind of that he was he wasn't getting better but there was nothing bad and then fast forward another couple of weeks he's getting a wee bit stronger and then the next thing we're coming home on the 4th of December so we're going to be in Belfast at least at the hospital for Christmas and we got home for Christmas and we spent 46 days in intensive care in London and you know they even started a um, they even had a purple team just for Dahi because he was there that long you know in intensive care they're usually seeing patients for for a couple of days and moving on and and this is the sort of feelings that you you know that go through your head because you're in this bed space and there's six others around you and you get to know other parents or you get chatting to them you're happy to see them going up to the ward but then that happy, happiness it turns to you know I hope this doesn't sound too bad, but it turns to a bit of jealousy. It's like, hold on, everybody's moving up here. You know, after two or three days, there. why is my son knocking up? And then 46 days he lasted until he went up to the ward for, I think it was one night or even like a, a few hours. And then we'd get to come over and pick this up and we'll get back to Belfast. Dahi is now four and a half years old. He's just such a wee lad, really. He's a stereotypical lad. He loves... He loves football, he loves boxing, he loves wrestling, he loves anything kind of physical. And to be honest, you know, um, he's the thing is with Dahi, and the thing that probably makes him so cute as well, or a wee bit cheater, is because he's a lot smaller than other people his, his age. So in his class, um, he would be a lot smaller than, than the rest of them. But he does everything a normal four and a half year old does. He, he speaks, he's funny, he tells jokes, and you know, when he comes in from school and he tells you about his day, it's, it's you know, it's just, you know, courage Glinder or the Cree, uh, you know, I don't even know how to say that, that's barely, as in like, it just warms your heart really. And, you know, he tells you about his day and he says, you know, such and such did that. And I was fighting with him or, and then we made up and we're friends again. And, you know, a lot of people seen that uh, video clip with Paddy Barnes that went viral um, uh, last year. I think it was and it was just you know that's that's Dahi like he he would he would try and punch the head of you in, in a boxing match he has to wait for the bell he always waits for the bell and then like he did with Paddy Barnes that night he gave him a big hug afterwards and that's you know he's you know you hear all these kind of things about parents saying you know he's my, he's my son's my best mate or my daughter's my princess and all this and you know and but yeah, I do I really feel that way about Dahi, you know, and, and listen, this is a thing. The reason why we run the campaign and we, we do all we can to increase awareness about organ donation is because we've been through so much with them and every single day you fall in love with them that wee bit more. 
and you know it's unimaginable really life without Daffy so that's why we're kind of you know we're fighting we are we're fighting to encourage everybody to basically say you know it's junk door me yes I donate and that um, to be aware of organ donation because awareness of organ donation is, is what we feel will, will, will save Daffy's life it's, it's somebody making that decision and you know we've, we've met a lot of families we've met a lot of donor families and they, they actually thank us for what we're doing. And, you know, any donor family we've met have said that some of them have said the first time I heard the words organ donation, when it was when a loved one was passing away. It was the wrong time to hear it for the first time. And, you know, they just say to us, keep doing what you're doing because, you know, we have people stop us in the street and say, I know that my son or my daughter is a hero because they're keeping two people alive or four people alive you know it's always a different number and but the, you know it's the same thing that we didn't really know what organ donation was before and I know now so they said please make make it aware because that initial shock of hearing those words for the first time you know organ donation happens in a, in a tragedy and there's, you know it's always going to be a tragedy but to, to be aware beforehand uh, and that's what our campaign is about it's you know we try to make it about life as opposed to you know, just about death, and it's it's just creating creating hope for. We can't individually create hope for our we die, but what we can do is if we can, you know, create that hope for everyone that's waiting on the gift of 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 an organ, then dies included in that, and his chances are increased. So that's why we kind of you know, I'm sure people are. I'm sure people are maybe sick hearing about it sometimes or whatever, but um, you know we're we're gonna keep going because we know we know for a fact because people have reached out for us, out to us, sorry, and they've said that our loved one we agreed to organ donation because we've heard that story, and hearing that you know makes us so proud. We don't share those stories publicly, and we don't share names or anything because it's it's nobody's really business. It's kind of our, you know, if you're ever questioning the campaign or if you're ever. If you're ever thinking, oh, did I go too far there? Or when you hear a donor family saying that, um, that they donated their loved one's organs because they knew it was going to somebody desperate like die and desperate families like ourselves, then you know that's that that keeps us going. And we're so we're so we're so proud the families would reach out to us and say that. And yeah, so that's what kind of keeps us going. For for more information on our campaign, you know we're very. Uh, we're we're on social media on all the all Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Donate for Die, and our website is probably, you know, the most useful thing of all. But it's www.donateforDie.org, and it has all the information about Die, all our video clips, and most importantly, um, you can click on the link to join the organ donor register.